Welcome to Beers, Business, and Balls, presented by House Enterprise and brought to you by Manscaped. Use the code HOUSE at checkout for 20% off your order and for free shipping. This is episode 73, our first of the new year, 2022. We're in full swing. I'm Jake, and that's Will, as always. Um, I don't know, dude. We've got a wild year of stuff ahead, just doing some planning out of what we want to get done these next couple of weeks. The guests that we're going to introduce to our BBB community, uh, just the stuff we're going to be able to do in January and February is honestly pretty sick if it all works out. So I'm pretty pumped to, to get back into the swing of things after a couple of weeks off. Yeah. I mean, it was a much needed uh, couple of weeks off to get prepared. I mean, just in the house enterprise world, we are full swing ahead you haven't seen the content over at College Hoops Digest, obviously we'll be talking about some college hoops and everything coming up for March Madness at the end of the show. But we have a lot of great things going on. Merch is in full swing. We got some new brands joining us. And then, of course, everything in the beers, business, and balls atmosphere. Holy shit, as Aaron Donald is grabbing somebody by the neck while we record. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that one was wild. That's not good news, but... All good news ahead here. And uh, yeah, the guests are coming coming in waves right now. I mean, we got people in the beer world, the sports world, um, some pop culture coming next week, possibly. We'll keep you in the yeah. loop with that, but all great things with the BBB pod. Yeah, it's a pretty wild pop culture if this works out. I That was crazy, Aaron Donald. I'm watching this shit now. That's He's gonna get a penalty, but like that's one I was like half watching, and then you just go, "Holy shit!" And I look up, and all of a sudden, Donald's gonna get like I I don't is he gonna get tossed? I don't know. I mean, the way McVeigh looks, it doesn't look good. You're up twenty eight nothing. By the time you know, by the time we finish recording this uh, no. game, might be over. Personal foul. His yeah. helmet was off. You can't touch him when his helmet's off. Grabbed him oh, right by the punch. throat. Oh yeah, that might be a punch. That might be a point. Oh, oh, bad, mm, bad, bad is what that I see. Is. I um, see a punch. I see a punch. Yeah. We'll start with a quick icebreaker because we're talking about football. The jury's still out. This week, was it, was it shitty or was it good? Like I don't, these games, I feel like, I think I know where I stand. Like it was nice having football around. I think the games I was a little let down by. They kind of sucked. Yeah, I mean, there was like, to be honest, like, it was nice to see the Bengals win, but that was a blowout. Bills, Pats, blowout. Eagles, Bucks, blowout. Chiefs, it was all blowouts, right? You know, there wasn't necessarily, and you know, the way this game's going, it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily, like, it's probably going to be a blowout too. It wasn't competitive football. And the big thing that's going around right now that I'm kind of confused why it's like everyone's pissed off about the extra wild card game, which it's or the extra wild card seating. And I think it's like obviously more games the better, but I consider the playoffs that we, you know, our first week of playoffs, week 18, right? Because I think right. week 18 had so many wild implications of like the Jags getting upset by the Colts, the Steelers sneaking in with the, uh, um, with the Ravens game. And then of course the Raiders chargers potential tie off that turned out like that was a playoff series. That yeah. was something guess, that was like, that I was guess we'll cool. this up further in balls, but like in short, would you rather have like just instant reaction? Would you rather have week 18 or would you rather have the extra team in the playoffs? 
week 18. See, I think I'd rather do the opposite. Yeah, and I that. think, yeah, I, I think that like, we just, I understand that week 18 gave us the most wild shit, right. Gave us almost a, a tie after all that, you know, we're not even going to discuss that further. Cause it's like, that was, that was just crazy with the chargers and Raiders tie or nearly tying. Um, I don't know. I, I would just rather see 17 weeks and have that first time, you know, like have that first wild card weekend just be like the proverbial week 18. That's mm-hmm. subject to change. I don't know. I think we need a couple more years of this format though, because maybe this was just a year thing. I don't know. That's, that's what I think. Um, some good beer over these last couple of weeks for sure. Um We've got a great guest or two guests for you guys today. Um, this is one that we really tried to figure out, you know, how are we going to start 2022 with a bang? We promise you this one will deliver. It's Ivan Demosten and Christine Hall. They are in on Deadlow Brewing Company uh, out in Cincinnati. This is really cool. You know, we talked about a lot of stuff. Cincinnati, awesome beer market. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk about that as we get closer to the interview. But I mean, 80 breweries and growing um what a wild time interviewing them that that was all things considered that was a really nice surprise we knew they would have great stories but the way that they articulated their mission and the the beer market in cincinnati i was just not prepared for that no not at all and it's like you know first and foremost we got to give a shout out to uh sam over at kitcaster who reached out through the website, which is, you know, becoming an awesome tool for not only House Enterprise, but the podcast as well. And, you know, when we got the message to, you know, have Ivan and Christine on, it's like, okay, you know, obviously we're a craft beer and business news and sports entertainment podcast, but Cincinnati and Rhode Island, you know, that's pretty far away. Um, But to hear their story, it it, kind of emulates the mission that we're trying to do with House Enterprise and House Brewing Company um, and the way they approach it and, all their philanthropic work. I, I was really blown away by that. And we're probably going to make a trip to Cincinnati um, for Bachfest, which Bucket. was a, which was a cool, uh, cool. If, if Bachfest happens, but we will be in right. Cincinnati and make our mark in that beer community very soon. We'll be there at some point. It's, if it's like, it doesn't happen at Bachfest, we'll be we'll, like, it's a matter of months at this point. Yeah. We'll, we'll get out there. I mean, that's we're going to sign our names in blood. We'll get to Cincinnati. Monday, January 17th, 10.30 p.m. We said that. Um, Let's review some beer. We had a lot of it. Um, We'll start local. Then we'll go a little bit farther. And for you, Will, Providence Brewing Company has always been, you know, somewhere where it's been on our radar. Uh, Started North Providence. Ended up right down the road from us on Sims Ave, um, you know, on the West End. Some good beer. For Providence Brewing Company, tell us about it. Yeah, so Providence Brewing Company, uh, grand opening was, I believe, last week. Uh, and shout out to Efren um, and Providence Brewing Company. They have a beautiful setup now uh, right in the Farm Fresh uh, market space, you can call it. Um, beautiful ode to their history. Uh, plenty of room compared to their old place, but we're really excited to have them in our backyard. Um a lot of good different options, some new, some old. I'm going to review Pound Town, which is their new, juicy New England style IPA uh, with notes of guava, mango, tropical fruit with an ABV of 7.7%. Um, the Boston Globe actually wrote a very nice review on it, which is, you know, cool to see. It's like, wow, you know, they're starting to make some waves. 
Um, giving it a four out of five. I thought it was the best beer out of all the ones they had. Uh, super juicy as the review states. A um, lot of great flavor. I'm a sucker for the citrus stuff and the, uh, you know, the tropical fruits and yeah, you know, really happy with that. I'm excited to see what beers Providence Brewing Company develops. And, you know, they have mostly IPAs right now with one sour tattoo of blood, uh, but they, you know, all have been pretty tasty so far and I wish them the best of luck in this neighborhood. And we hope to have Efren on the podcast soon and uh, we'll sit down and show off the new space. Yeah, they did an excellent job. I, I think it's still pretty bare bones right now. They, it, it almost seems, you know, as far as the honest review goes, you know, beer's good. Um, it's close enough and it has the environment more importantly that, you know, I think you and I are on the same page. Like we'd go back, right. It's, it's that kind of feel. There's some breweries that you're like, eh, beer's good. Don't no love lost. If I don't go back, like Providence brewing company, I will be back there. You know, as they mm-hmm. release more beers, as they develop their space, um, you know, as potentially they distribute, we don't really know what the deal is there. But it's a um, new, it's a new cool hangout environment. Not only like yeah, the farm, the you know, not only the farm fresh RI, like that whole huge space, which of course revivals around the corner, Isco's down this, you know, right next door, uh, new harvest coffee, which is like that, you know, bar coffee shop. Like they obviously have the neighborhood and the environment, but it's a place that you can just like sit on the couches, chill. They get some TVs in there. Great. Um, but Compared to what we knew, Providence Brewing Company back in North Prov and Mineral Springs, very, very small. You know, you were on top of each other. There wasn't room to really socialize. This now has that social environment. Right. Yeah, I'm I'm totally with that. It's, uh, I'm I'm pretty pumped at what they did. You know, we're walking the halls and like, oh shit, they did a really good job. Um, So we'll get Efren's full story one of these coming weeks uh, for sure. Um, Hey, Rhode Island Beer Festival is coming up too. Um, couple of weeks and we'll, we'll have more for you on that folks. But if you're in Rhode Island or even in Massachusetts and you're not going to this, like shame, shame on you. Mm-hmm. If you don't like craft, if you'd like craft beer and you're not going, that's, it's a missed opportunity. Um, that's all we'll say. Great stuff coming, um, from the Rhode Island beer community. Great stuff coming from Providence Brewing Company as well. Um, I will take it very far from Rhode Island now. It's about as far as you can get. Um, vacationed in Florida a couple weeks ago before Christmas. Awesome. Uh, it was beautiful, obviously. 80, 85 degrees every day. Um, I will say there's something to be said about just waking up, going to the beach, and stay until 3, 4 o'clock. Then you know, taking a shower and going out to dinner. Like, it's just so nice not doing shit. Needed it. Um, and, of course, had a couple of beers in the process. Um, MIA, MIA Beer Company, they have a great selection in Miami Vice, it's called. You spell it like Miami Vice. It's exactly what it sounds like. It's a Hefeweizen. Um it's their number one beer. It's a traditional German Hefeweizen with wheat, barley, and sweet orange peel. It's kind of like, you know, it's like a lighter blue moon almost. Um, had it with dinner. I had some very high hopes. I ended up giving this a 3.5, though. And I think I did that for a couple of reasons. It, and a 3.5, for me right now, that's like, a, I'm, I'm trying to 
level it out. That's a good beer for me. A good beer, one that I would drink again is a three, five. I think like before when we were, I'm speaking for myself, but when we were just getting into the scene, like probably when we just turned 21, honestly, we're like, all right, you know, that's kind of a shitty beer. I'll go to three, five, no longer. This is the vow I'm making to myself. We're doing three fives for good beers. That's it. The fours get reserved for everything better. Oh yeah. No, I'm, um, right, I'm right there with you with the fours. It's like, you know, we both adopted that truly probably last summer, fall, where it's like, hey, you know, four is something that you drive to. Four, you five, yeah. four yep. five is something you wait in line for. Mm-hmm. You know, the three, five to th- the three. I honestly think the jump to three, five to three, seven, five is huge. But the jump to three, seven, five to four is massive. Like you're talking the the body, the smell, the taste, everything needs to be on point. Um, the three, five is nothing. It's, you know, it's, it's still, it's still a good beer. Yeah. And the street, like this was good. You know, I'd get it again. If I'm out and I see it somewhere, I'll get it. Um, and it's tough with Heffenweisers, you know, they're really, yeah, that's hit or the miss. Thing. you know, they really are hit or miss. Like when I, and maybe it's my fault because I think in my opinion, Hefts should be drinking at, at like, you know, if you're having a standalone pint, Hefeweizen's perfect for that. If you're drinking it with dinner, maybe not the best call. If you're, I don't know. I just, I don't think I did it right. You know, I, I had like a, a beer before that and then I had this and then I'm, you know, having like a big piece of chicken, like some fries and shit. Like this is many, supposed to be a very flavors, light beer. Yeah. Too many flavors. Yeah, it's like when you think Hefeweizen, you think banana comes to mind, right? You get like a little banana tangy kind of feel. So I think it hit the spot. It was a very good light Hefeweizen, probably one of the lighter ones that I've really had. And it was nice. It was, you know, hot out, uh, a little bit humid, you know, honestly a, a good summer beer um, and a good beer if you're like in some kind of tropical environment. Um, would do it again. They have awesome can art too. They took the Miami Vice thing and multiplied it by 10. You know, I, I think they did an excellent job marketing it, which you don't really see with those light beers. It's just like, all right, fuck it. Here's a mass distributed light beer down here that we'll just slap some logo on. So pretty impressed. This one, a shit ton of awards in Florida, I guess. You know, a lot of judges have given it like a an 80 rating on beer connoisseur, which is pretty good. Um Good flavor. The appearance is like some of the best in the region, I guess. That won like a 16 out of 20. So, yeah. I mean, I, it's one of those that I do it again. Uh, they're going to attribute it a bunch in the Northeast, too. Which, I and it's a hell good. of, I mean, it's a hell of a name. I, I know they, they honestly hit the nail on the head with that. Um, it's some good shit from MIA Beer Co. Check them out there in Miami. If you're down there, uh, they distribute a bunch in the Northeast, too. So, Go and get you some Miami Vice. All right, let's go into our interview. That was a beer segment, and we're going to extend it out into business, that whole brewery and business combo is really, um, you know, I think Ivan and Christine from Deadlow, you know, they they are epitomizing what it means to be a business built on beer. So we're going to run those uh, into both those segments here. Uh, it's Ivan Demosten and Christine Hall. They are in on Deadlow Brewing Company with each other. We discuss a lot, right? We did talk about the, the Cincinnati beer market, um, building a brewery in the pandemic, which I did not know before we interviewed them. Uh, they basically bought some land, tried to start it up in the pandemic. 
And that's what a lot of people we've interviewed have done trying to survive in the pandemic. And now they've, they've eclipsed that they're making their mark on the community. So let's hear it from them. Here is Ivan and here's Christine from Deadlow. All right, everybody with us this week, we're coming from Ohio uh, just in time, you know, well, the Bengals will be playing afterwards, but you know, we'll be rooting for them in spirits, but we have, Ivan uh, Demiston and Christine Hall, uh, part of Deadlow Brewing Company. Uh, wild, wild experience just between a combination of corporate and craft beer. You know, Ivan has had a background in sales professions with over 20 years of experience and his career has taken him in so many different ways. And Christine as well um, is handling the business side, but also brings that uh, vast and wide experience of the female in the brewing industry. So we're happy to welcome them both on. Uh, first and foremost, Happy New Year. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Happy New Year. And how's Cheers. everything with you guys? Cheers. Cheers. Yeah. Got my, we got our waters. We got our now. waters for now, but we'll be switching over to beer. <laughs> it's been a long day, so we'll definitely need to come. Don't hydrate too much, guys. <laughs> I agree. But how's everything going? We appreciate you coming on the show. And, uh, you know, just to start off, tell us a little bit about yourself. We'll start with you, Christine. Um, if you just want to dive into your background and uh, then we'll go over to uh, Ivan. Sure, absolutely. Thank you for having us. I was excited to uh, join a podcast called Beers, Business, and Balls because I love talking about beer and drinking beer, and I love talking about business and growing brands. And uh, as a as a founder, I uh, juggle a lot of balls, so I thought it was a, a pretty fitting uh, podcast to join. So thank you for having us today. Um, but I am one of the three founders here at Deadlow Brewing. Uh, I have two partners, uh, Kyle Havens and my brother, Paul Gannum. This is a family business. Uh, and I have other brothers and sister and, you know, lots of family and nieces and nephews that work here and so forth. So um, we are a craft brewery uh, located on the shores of the Ohio River here in Cincinnati, just right across the street for the river from uh, northern Kentucky. Uh, and uh, we um, really have focused on uh, making this a, a huge community destination. Uh, we're all about building community. So um, we do that through kind of the beer culture and uh, have a huge homemade menu, amazing beers, uh, and a great giant space. We can seat in total over 350 people in all of our different areas, outdoor private event spaces and so forth. So uh, we're really focused on um, bringing the community together, having great beer, having great food. We do a lot of uh, philanthropic work here uh, in the city as well. Um, my background is a business background. So I um, have worked in corporate America in the CPG space, mainly in the branding and marketing space for most of my career. Uh, and uh, flipped over to branding agencies and uh, advertising agencies for about the past decade. And my brother and friend were uh, home brewers and brewed for many years. And, and were, we liked to get together and eat food and drink beer and said, well, you know, we should just do this for a living. You know, Cincinnati's a great beer town. Our history with beer is very long and, and wonderful. Yes. And we've played a huge role in brewing uh, through time and through prohibition and into the modern days. And, uh, and now we're one of like 80 
breweries here in town and we still have room to grow. Uh, and so we decided just to go for it. Uh, they pulled me in. I'm not a brewer. I am a drinker of the beer. <laughs> Uh, and I, uh, I do a lot of mentoring for startups, um, and, uh, involved in the entrepreneurial community here in Cincinnati, which is pretty strong as well. And so they, they knew how to brew the beer and, and bring that aspect together. And I joined to, uh, build the brand and the business. And, um, we opened up right before the COVID shutdown. So we opened our doors in 2019, October of 2019. We're open for five glorious months and then shut the doors uh, and have just learned a tremendous amount about operating, operating such a giant organization. We have 80 employees uh, through, through COVID. Uh, and, um, and now we continue to um, mentor other smaller breweries. We're, we're, we're still a small brewery, but we do a lot of mentoring to, to other breweries around town who are really struggling through COVID and how, how to get you know, people in the door and, and so forth. And, um, and we have a great community, which is where Ivan comes in. Uh, you know, we've, he's been with us since you know, many, many years now while we were still sitting around the kitchen table uh, formulating our plan. And um, so, yeah, for, for, for me, it was about having the, the right team and, and bringing everybody together and working together. So that's, that's who I am. And then how about yourself, Ivan? Yeah, guys, uh, uh, thanks for having, it, having us on, first of all. It's a pleasure. And yeah, uh, over 20 years experience in sales, uh, various industries. I, I actually counted it. Uh, how many years I've been in sales recently in the past couple of weeks and it was over 30. So I think I have to start telling people over 30 years <laughs> sales experience. Wow. Yeah. It happened quick. It happened really quick. But uh, about 18, 19 years ago, I, uh, I took my sales expertise into the human capital recruiting space, staffing industry. And with some success there, starting with Career Builder and Monster uh, Professional Diversity Network, uh, decided to go off on my own and started uh, Hamilton Demo. And uh, we just completed our fourth year. And even though it was, you know, if, if we would have known that there was an uh, impending pandemic coming upon us, we uh, I may have decided not to embark on uh, such an endeavor, but I'll tell you what, uh, even though I, I, I would have been gun shy and held off, I'm so glad I didn't know because we've continued to grow year over year. So year five is looking bright. Uh, we continue to, to gain more uh, interest from clients of all sizes and uh, looking forward to, to getting to that fifth year. Because as I was sharing with Christine, when you get to five years, you're a real business after that, right? <laughs> no turning I, back at that point. Exactly. There's right. no turning back. If you can make it to five years, you, you might as well. You can put your uh, company, put an advertisement in the yellow pages, right? <laughs> so, no, of course. So a uh, bunch of great things. Uh, so uh, I do executive search and placement now, provide consulting around uh, human capital, recruiting and retention, all talent acquisition. And um, in addition to that, diversity is a passion. 
So I focus on diversity recruiting when needed and uh, always there to lend a hand to friends, family, and others that, that need uh, some insight and some help. So along the way, uh, may may not come as a surprise. I'm a huge sports fan. Uh, and uh, amongst uh, all my friends and all the activities and what we do, one, one of the ways I've been able to give back is to coach football. And that's where Deadlow starts for me because I had the opportunity to coach uh, a young Ganim. Which is my family. Yeah. Young Ganim, her nephew. And uh, let me, let me, let me uh, say before continuing, he was a really good player. He's a ball. <laughs> yeah, that helps. Good. That helps when he watches this. So wait, when, yeah, when he, when he, when he watches, listens to this, good looking, smart, and a baller. There we go. Got all the brownie Sure, he's only uh, 13 years old, but this will help him uh, when he gets <laughs> Hey, there you go. What, what position yeah. did he play? So he played a little quarterback, running back, and on defense, uh, he played corner uh, and some safety. He's a, yeah. a five-tool yeah. football player. That's a, right those there. are the stud positions. Those are the uh, the highlight reels. Hey, and interestingly uh, no. enough, uh, three of those positions were the same – that uh, his coach played. So I, I wonder. <laughs> I wonder why he. Uh, I don't see any bias. No bias at all. So go figure. Well, for for another podcast. But anyway, uh, so something I haven't shared with a lot of people outside our inner circle. Uh, so Christine's brother, as they were gathering around the table, planning this beautiful brewery. Uh, he and I connected and he said, Hey, come on down. I want to show you something. And I like, Oh, sure. I, I didn't know what he was going to show me. We were selling the salesman. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I didn't know if it was going to be, I didn't know if it was going to be a new car, if he was going to show me like, whatever. I had no idea. So we showed him a dream. He sh they, we showed, he showed him an, an idea. Dream, an idea. And, uh, let me tell you, I, I saw his vision right away. I don't even think he got through his, his vision. I already saw it. And let's, that's a perfect so, transition to kind of dive really into how Deadlow came about too, right? So, you know, the copy is straight from your site. It's Deadlow's story is all about navigating life and the uncertainty that comes along the way, right? And you guys believe that life chats over a couple of beers can lead to a clear head and great connections, right? So I'll leave it up to you. Who wants to break this down? You know, what, what is that mission of, of Deadlow? And what was that idea that was floated out that's now become Deadlow Brewing Company? Sure. So, so we, when we decided to do this, figuring out, you know, I work in the branding world. So that was one of the first things that I, I sat at everybody down and we said, let's really uh, verbalize what, why we're doing this so that later when it gets really hard, we can look at that and be like, Oh yeah, that's right. This is, you know, and, and it will help, uh, guide us. And we really wanted to build a community for ourselves and our families and our community. We truly went into this with the purpose of, uh, building community around beer culture. Um, the, Cincinnati is a big German town. That's what they did when they came here. Uh, you know, the, the dead low is the term dead low, 
uh, is a nautical term that came from uh, uh, measuring the depth of the water on the Ohio and the Mississippi rivers back in the day. You know, they had a lead line. Our, our, our logo has this lead line in it that, that our skeleton is throwing out. And they'd, they'd throw the line out and they'd pull it back up and, and measure the depth of the water by counting these ribbons that they tied to the rope. And as they did that, they had, um, you know, folks out as leadsmen in the front of the, the, uh, um, the steamboats, and they would call back up to the captain, uh, you know, what the depth was so that, you know, they, so that they could navigate this river without the, the, the paddle crashing on the bottom. And so what we loved about the story was, first of all, the teamwork that, that went with you know, anyone on the ship down here at the bottom had to actually tell the captain what to do. And the captain had to listen and steer the ship in that way. So it was really about trust and teamwork. We call our staff, our crew. Um, and we really take to heart um, that you really are navigating uncertain waters. And, and as our COVID happened, that, that actually gave us a real live example about that. So uh, uh, an interesting bit with the story was uh, Samuel Clemens, who uh, you know is Mark Twain? That's where he got his pen name. Um, they used to sing the song when they would pull it back up so he could hear it, and they'd say Mark One, Mark Twain, Mark Three, and he listened to that for months while he was a riverboat captain, and that's where he came up with his pen name. So we just love the 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 rich history of it. We know that delivering barley and corn, or excuse me, coal up the river was how they built community back in the day. And so we looked at that as, you know, we're, we're a big Lebanese family and we love to eat and we love to drink and we, we like to get together with everybody and feed them. And we want everyone to be fed and happy and come to the table. And so our mission was why look, well, let's do this for a living. You know, why we're all sitting in cubicles at different places. Let's do this for a living. And, and that's where it came about. And through studying the, the, brewing history in Cincinnati and the river history. We sit right on the Ohio River. Um, we, we uncovered the term deadlow. And, um, and it's just been, it's been perfect. And so the things that we have done along the way um, about hiring family, people say, don't, don't hire family, you know, don't go into business with your family and your friends. Well, that's exactly what we did. We've gone into business with our family and friends. Um, and while yes, there are challenges and sometimes you, you might argue like siblings, you also celebrate and the meaning of, of, of making it is, is greater and it's bigger than any of us individually. So it goes back to that we're going to strengthen this community. Um, and, um, and for us, since we've been open, we're, we're involved with a lot of philanthropic um, activities. Mainly the two areas that we focus on each month are either veterans, and we do a lot to do um, veterans and um, suicide prevention with veterans and, and youth mental health. Um, the, uh, and we're involved with a couple of organizations that also that work really hard um, around um, teen suicide. So we, we wanna make sure that um, as we hopefully over the years grow and make a lot of money that we're also investing that money back in into our community to the people that like we feel are also support the community, our youth, our officers, our military folks. Yeah, yeah. If I can interject, I, you guys need to listen to her, but I have to say everything she said, hopefully you guys can come to Cincinnati one day and see the phenomenal 
beer community here. It's awesome. There's actually a huge beer tour part of the, oh. the city history. There are underground tunnels for uh, for these drink, yeah, they, yeah. that um, integrate with American history and how a lot of the beer was made here and distributed throughout the the country pre prohibition and during prohibition right and they're all intact and they're like caverns so fast forward the history here Brew is now is now integrated which i find fascinating with dead low and the reason why i interrupted before i forgot i think i have to tell you guys the the passion and desire to give back to community which you've heard community several times there is a program here that Christine came up with called uh, Brew It Forward, and it's Pay It Forward. So let me tell you, when you walk in here, there's a whole wall of families, kids, grandmothers, passers-by everywhere that has purchased beer or a glass of beer or a drink for any first responder. Wow. Any- or veteran. Mm-hmm first responder or veteran and they can walk in here and either grab one of these drink for free drink for free so literally if they wanted to if they wanted to drink 20 of them they just pull 20 off the board <laughs> or they could just ask and someone someone will go and take it for them and uh, let me tell you that is one of the proudest things that i can share that i, I i'm happy to be a part of with yeah. everything going on here it is amazing now we just now we just need to convince our first responders and our veterans to take advantage of it more. They are so modest. <laughs> they come they're in, we so, try to walk, we just, all these people watch so your beers. So if you, guys have any, <laughs> if you guys have any pool to say, hey, come on down Veterans, here. come on in. Because really, when uh, you see my kids write their names and leave a little message for the person who takes that brew it forward yeah. or others and it. It's, it's amazing. So everything that she would say, I, I wanted to interrupt and, and uh, share that with you guys. And we will, I, knew, I knew she would. <laughs> and we will 100% share that message. I mean, first and foremost, like just congratulations on, you know, not only the success with the brewery, but the story. And uh, Christine, I am going to have to comment. Your title on the website says co-founder. And a little bit further, it does say the chief storyteller. I mean, you nailed that. <laughs> you nailed that description perfectly. And, um, you know, Going back into the conversation, because we want to cover everything that you did mention, we'll start with that building the team, which has such a, um, it already has a parallel with the name Dead Low and the story and everything. Um, This is the first time on the show that we're talking to two people that aren't directly brewing the beer necessarily, which is something that's very interesting. I don't think a lot of people realize, you know, how much of a business plan is needed for a brewery. It's not just, you know, good product in a good atmosphere and, having a happy team, but it's so much more behind that. But we'll start with that building team aspect. You know, how important is it for you to find the right people? And you talked about that message of friends and family. Why was that something that you wanted to instill with Deadlow? Well, for, for us, the, the friends and family part, uh, we knew that the, the dedication to this long-term and the loyalty would be there. And we just, 
have fun together. So, so we wanted to build community, but we wanted to have fun along the way. Um, and so it was natural for us to do that. But we also know, because we're all business people at heart, that, that we are not the business. The people that we hire around us to do amazing work are the business. And so we knew, like, I know how to do business branding, marketing, all of the like business stuff. I don't know how to brew. And even, even Paul and Kyle, they're great home brewers, but they, we knew that we would have to hire a master brewer. Uh, we love to eat and, 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 and cook, but we knew we would hire a master chef. Um, so our master brewer, Ramp Thompson, and our master chef, Scotty Barons. I mean, they are amazing. These guys are so creative and they, I mean, we do food and beer pairings. We make all the food in house. Like they're just awesome. So we knew that building a team, we had to hire the experts and we knew looking at our dead low story that we had to listen to them. And so that I think is if you, if you listen to any of the great leaders through time, it's about surrounding themselves with super smart people and then getting out of the way so that they can do the job. And, you know, that's hard for founders to do. And we're going through those transitions now. I mean, my role's changed like 50 times since we were in plant phases and continues to, to change, which is, which is wonderful, um, you know, so that we can, I can now focus on expansion and doing other things because now this mothership is running well, because the team that I, that we built, um, and, and then the, the community that we have built around it, Ivan included, help us all of the time. I mean, we had a photographer in today helping us who just loves us and loves our people and loves our food. And they're like, can we please help you in your photography area? <laughs> you know? So the, the community that this team has built is, is really important, but, but we knew that, um, we can provide great strategy and a um, very good business model and, uh, and then bring the experts in onto the team. Um, when we went for funding originally, and, and I, I tell this to entrepreneurs that I work with, um, you don't have to have all of the answers, but in your business plan and the experts that you surround yourself with, they have to have all of the answers. And if you have that, if you surround yourself with, you know, hey, well, I don't know that, but my master brewer does, funding will come. I mean, people want to invest in people. And so what we found is, is, you know, there's, I mean, we have like 80 microbreweries in Cincinnati and they're still, I mean, they're still popping up all of the time, even now. And it's like, isn't that enough? And it's like, well, if, if you, if your investors want to invest in people, they, they can invest in breweries left and right or other this and that they can invest in, but they're really investing in a team of people. So for us, it was about bringing the, the right people together. And, and Ivan in recruiting is, he's like the, he's our biggest cheerleader and advocate and makes connections for us all of the time. And so, so making sure that your family includes uh, people that are way smarter than me, <laughs> you know, is what is, is how you do well, it. It takes a village, right? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, guys, we, so some things keep popping up. Uh, she talks about family. Uh, funny, funny little tidbit. Uh, so I was at a football game, the, the Cleveland Browns and the Cincinnati Bengals in Cleveland. I was there and spent the day with one of the other uh, partners and investors here, Brian Hess, and his entire family and 10 of his closest friends. 
And then another uh, young lady here who's a server, she, um, she was with her mother and father and siblings. And we all spent the whole afternoon together. I, I had no idea who these people were two and a half years ago. Yeah. Right. So it really is a community and a family. And, you know, to Christine's point, it's amazing how these, these people come into your lives and at first you hire them and you, you've got high hopes and then they emerge as leaders and like masters of your own business, right? There's some people here <laughs> that know the business more than, than the two of us put yeah. together. They know every nook and cranny and it's, it's amazing. And, and they are vested in the success of Denlo. It's, it's amazing. It's beautiful to see. And we let them own their work. Yes. And, and that I think in the business world is, is hard um, for, for, for people to do, but yeah, well, we're, it frees us up to grow. So now well, we're going to grow. Well, one thing about being at dead low, we're all laid back. Yeah. So uh, we give you, we give you enough rope to hang yourself. <laughs> Here we go. It's not the cubicle Good. life. You mentioned it before. Yeah. It's that it's a whole different type of community. Right. Yeah. So as long as you don't piss us off, keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> um, that's that's awesome stuff. I mean, so Christine, we'll come back to you. You're talking about you can focus on expansion and growing and and all of these things. So, in a few short words, what what's how does a company like Deadlow grow? You know, what's in store for this group these next this next year, these next few years? You know what. What That's what I want to hear. That's a great question. <laughs> and I guess that is why we're here today, right? It's how yeah. is this growing? Uh, where do you see this going? I guess you can kind of tie that into the, we had a question about the future of the craft beer market too. I mean, it seems like the market's there for you in Cincinnati. How do you play? How do you stack up? How do you grow this business moving forward? Sure, absolutely. Well, a lot of the growth that has happened recently in the craft brewing industry has been kind of in two places. It's been in, in hard seltzers not even in beer, uh, and it's been in tap rooms. So if you look at even like some of the big beer companies here in Cincinnati, like, you know, the Boston Beer Company, they are now moving into tap rooms because the profitability of a tap room, you sell a pint for $6 versus you sell a, a can for pennies, is it, it's a different profitability model. So a lot of the, the folks locally are growing through tap room expansion and turning more into the neighborhood restaurant and neighborhood bar. So there is some of that going on. For, for us in particular, we have had a slightly different strategy in that uh, we did not rush to canning. Um, most microbreweries, they go in and they rush right into canning and then they're slaves to shelf space. And if you, any of you have seen the shelf, it is just a, like, it's like eye pollution. It's so hard to even read what style you want and so forth. Um, and although I'm thrilled, I mean, you know, cause we, you know, I, we're, it's great. We have a lot, uh, you know, larger shelf space, but we chose, uh, it, and with the, the can shortage and, you know, all of the shipping costs and so forth, uh, we decided to getting our, our strategy is get really good at what we do and make amazing, amazing beer. Uh, and then we can, then we can worry about canning and distribution. And so our strategy is probably a little bit different than your average 
uh, a brewery that pops up that rushes right into uh, production. Um, our on-site, uh, um, uh, we're so huge just at this particular location that we're drinking every drop of beer that we make. We can't make enough beer, guys. We have, Literally. We have, can't make enough yeah, beer. We have a, we have a, we, we, we need, that's what, so we will be expand on, uh, production on the production side. Uh, uh, I mean, we'll have a tap room with that. So we will also expand tap room, but we'll expand from a production standpoint because we have bars all over that would like to have our beer. And we just, we sell so much of it here that, that we need to expand there. So our expansion will be on the, mostly on the production side that would then go into canning, but we're still not in a, uh, we want to be really excellent uh, at, at what we do and have just the most delicious craveable beers, uh, that people are clamoring for. Uh, and then we can go fight for Kroger shelf space and things like that. So, so we might be a little bit different. Um, and, and when I'm counseling other startups, I tell them what is right for your organization. Maybe you don't want to focus on, you know, I have 82 employees. And so like a lot of people are like a lot of, they're like, Oh my God, you know, why do you have that many employees? But we have a huge homemade restaurant and, you know, the, the place is gigantic. So our uh, a typical we were like go big or go home right like we're not leaving our regular jobs and like doing this unless we're, we're going big or we're not going to do it so we started enormous um but slightly not as traditional breweries do because everybody's rushing to canning and we decided not to go that well route. you know what i think to their point you guys had a lot of brain power a lot of smart people were around that table and this Although to others outside, it may seem like something that happened overnight. Yeah. These guys, these guys put their plan together and it was, it was tight, tight, tight. They knew. So the first few years or even to launch, I mean, we were here brewing beers and tasting and getting things set up before day one. So that was one thing that surprised me with, with the brewery. Day one wasn't when they opened the door. There was day one, like months and years before, right? There was like a lead up. We, we were tasting and having, you know, uh, events where we introduced uh, groups and other companies, distributors, investors, etc. So day one didn't start when the door opened. And these guys had everything tight. Yeah, because we went at it from a business standpoint, not a like, we want to just let's just start a brewery out of our garage or whatever. We went at it from like, we're, we're going to be a, a major player in brewing and we're going to do it right. Yeah. And guys, let me tell you how smart they were. <laughs> they are so smart. They, they figured out the best name for their best beer. Oh, I can't wait. Deadline. Crazy Ivan. Oh, yeah, we have this, we have a delicious I don't know where they got that from. It's just a coincidence. We named it after him. It's a delicious (laughs) Imperial Stout. It it is amazing. But I answered with the name Dead Light because we sit on Dead Light is great. We're right here. We have a couple of giant uh, like concert venues next next door to us and softball fields and everybody drinks light beer, right? And we're in Ohio. Well, to your point about preparation and the brain power, they, they knew 
they had to cater if they wanted to be a brewery that was welcoming to families and everybody they had they had to have something that yeah. really kept those people there so they were, were very considerate about yeah. that and all joking aside i i do love to say that my wife i adore her we all but adore she, her yeah we all they all adore her as as do i but I did not expect her to like the crazy Ivan. I thought that she would literally throw it back in my face, but she actually drank it. She said it was good. It was, it is good. yeah, that's it's what she ordered. Yeah. yeah. But our dead light is what we sell the most of, which is funny because at first, you know, when you talk to other craft brewing people, they're like a light lager, what do you mean? You know? And it's like, well, you know, I mean, that's what people want to drink on a hot summer day when they're at a concert and playing softball. And so, you know, we oh, yeah. so have all the like you know, they'll show up in their Joe Burrow jerseys. They'll pregame with a couple of dead lights, and off yeah, to, um, off yeah. To the stadium they go. Yeah. yeah, guys, I don't know how much research you did, but it is a short walk to one of the greatest concert venues in the country. Oh, pretty much anyone who's anyone in the world that decides to go on <laughs> they tour, they they will go to Riverbend. Look up Riverbend. Some of my favorite oh, I, concerts. I've heard of Riverbend, actually. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's Riverbend is amazing. I've seen Rod Stewart there. Um, I've seen, gosh. Everybody. Journey. Yeah. Journey played there. Uh, and, oh. You're dating yourself. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I went there one time years ago with my kids and uh, my niece and nephew to a Lil Wayne concert. I've never okay. felt so old in my whole life. <laughs> yeah. I was going to uh, say, we're not, yeah. like, you know, we, we're – we're, we know who Journey is. We're not like yeah. <laughs> we're not like fifteen. <laughs> I, I'm just saying. <laughs> I but, uh, no, there, youth. no, there there have been some phenomenal shows there, and and you can walk right since there. since we open this since we open this place up to see these enthusiastic crowds like discover Deadlow and then walk to a show overrun. and then come back. I mean, it's been phenomenal and so through pandemic it's been a little bit a little bit of a struggle right but the enthusiasm for yeah. the shows that were able to actually happen yeah was like oh like i think there there were a few people that didn't leave and woke up and showed up the next day when yeah the doors open, right? we've been so. overrun for sure we're actually planning now like how do we handle it this summer now that people the first summer we were closed because of the pandemic and, and all of the concerts were canceled because of the pandemic so last summer we got a couple of these concerts where there's like thousands of people walking past but nobody knew who we were yet so we handled it but we were overrun so this year we're we're, we're already like oh my gosh you know so it's it's uh oh yeah guys let me just say one last thing because it awesome. just pop, popped in my head <laughs> so uh i'm a little bit older than you guys I'm, I'm a little bit older than her i know i look great but i'm old <laughs> and uh uh a year and a half ago i got to see kiss so it, it that's important to me because i'm like a 70s 80s kid guy right and i once went uh, as Paul Stanley for Halloween. <laughs> we'll have to pull up that costume I, picture. Yeah, huh? I, I mean, I, I, need I, I'm a big, I'm a big Kiss fan, and then to finally see them in person and to have been at that concert and to uh, come back here, we weren't open yet, 
but we had investor meetings. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How can we were phenomenal? I mean, I think there was a lot of brainstorming that really contributed to what you see here. So I'm looking forward to if they're able to go on tour again, they will come here. So promise me, guys, let's uh, come on over. I'll make sure I get you guys. Well, a we, maybe we can get you here. We Paul, my my partner and, and brother, he comes up with all kinds of crazy ideas that we then go after, like opening a brewery during a pandemic. <laughs> but like he, one of these meetings, that into the crazy dinner flight. Yeah, absolutely. Oh. So dinner and a flight, yeah. we came up with, or Paul came up with, and and uh, and so now you can come to Deadlow for dinner and then take a helicopter flight all the way and see uh, downtown Cincinnati and all that kind of stuff. And then you come back here and you actually drink a fl some flights and stuff. Oh, so it's, so uh, yeah. where do I sign? Yeah, you're selling sign? us. It's like, we, you <laughs> yeah, have, we do all kinds definitely of stuff. need the appeal to Cincinnati even greater. And I mean, after having you guys on the show, it's like, we were already talking. It's like, we definitely have to make our trip to, uh, you know, out to Ohio to come, but we will uh, definitely plan on that. And uh, we'd love to see everyone in person and, uh, you know, enjoy the flights as well. I, I that's good. Like that's it's a matter of putting pen on paper. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's Come a matter it's a matter now. of getting in the car and heading for you guys heading west, Rhode Island. It's a nine and a half hour drive. Oh. You can make yeah. It's a, it, when you Google it, it's 11 and a half hours, but for you guys, it looks more like we're close I, to the airport. I, yeah, I could say nine and a half. So we'll be there. I was like, looking, if we can, if we wrap this up, we can head there by the morning. So <laughs> yeah, that'll be great. It's we can, uh, we can see, I think what the, the Bengals home to the Raiders first round of the playoffs. Okay. Yes. That's yes. I'm on board with that. Not bad. And go you see you see Bears. Guys, if if uh if you're willing to stay for the Bengals game, I mean we can we can have a helicopter ride to the game for you guys. <laughs> All right. Now, I mean, now we're yeah. You got to stop. <laughs> yeah. now we're, we might <laughs> actually come. We might have to take off work. Your story Christine knows everybody. <laughs> I and I can personally have a have a little faith have a little faith. Hey, I have mean, a little faith. Just go for it. See what happens. Oh my God. We'll, we'll be in conversation right after this. Definitely. <laughs> um, you know, this has been a great interview thus far. And I want to, you know, as we close out, kind of go over, um, you know, your, both of your backgrounds and how corporate America has prepared you for, you know, something as crazy as a brewery, right? It's like, we mentioned it in the beginning of the show. It's like, obviously you still need a business plan in mind when starting a brewery. This is not just a hobby. This is, you know, it needs to be profitable. It needs to make sense. But with both of your backgrounds, obviously it has made this journey much easier. So whether it was a specific experience or uh, a field that you were in, or, you know, just the years of working collaboratively and in your different uh, fields, what was your biggest takeaway that helped you prepare yourself better to opening a craft brewery? Well, I've, I've worked on a lot of um, startup brands because I, my, my main, my main business in, in my personal life is brand strategy and, and writing. And I help a lot of brands write about who they are as a brand. And so for me, I think those experiences were most important to helping to shape the business and the culture and the business plan and, and helps us today when we 
struggle because there are lots of struggles operating a business as large as ours and as young as ours in a pandemic. Um, we actually lean back on, on our uh, brand beliefs uh, to help us make decisions. And so for me personally, that experience was um, has been the most impactful. Uh, it's been hard from a, you know, I'm, I've been in corporate my whole life. So some of like, they all tease me because I like to have meetings and, you know, nobody in a brewery wants to have a meeting. So, <laughs> so it's been a little struggle too, to like not have as many meetings or not have, you know, just not have as many meetings. Basically that is a lesson that I'm learning, but, um, or disguise the or disguise the meetings, disguise right? The it's meetings. something else. Yeah, totally. I'm kidding. Hey, okay, your tire splat. Let's go. Let's go uh, let me help you change that tire. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I just think the focus in organization and long-term strategic planning as well. Like I, I mean, I have long-term strategic plans is how I function. Uh, and I got that from corporate. And and that I think has has helped us from a business, but from a funder standpoint, like our funders and our banks love us because we have better like strategic plans and strategic financials than other other breweries because we're business people first um and and hired the kick-ass brewers so yeah how would you guys say you know philanthropic endeavors kind of play into what you're doing too you know ivan obviously you've you have a sense of giving back, right? And I, I, I'd say in a way that's almost, what I'm hearing is it's kind of embedded in what you guys are doing as well. Um, throughout that whole story, giving back has been part of it. So just how, how important has that been for your journey as Deadlow too? Oh my gosh, I think that's a great question. And, um, you know, as a kid, I watched my parents. Uh, Dale Carnegie was huge. I see others and all those that I'm around, are very successful, but there's not, I can't think of anybody uh, offhand that even with their success, isn't trying to give back. So I think the philanthropic part is in intertwined. Uh, the, the more successful you are, the more responsibility you have to integrate with the community and offer something back uh, in some way whether it's being someone who participates and volunteers or gives money or whatever that is. So I think that's natural. And the question that you asked, uh, Christine, before, all those things that, um, that are important to me when I heard John and the table talk, all those things resonated to me. And uh, in, as I move forward in life, too, whenever I want to engage or uh, do some discovery, I, I listen for those things, right? So, in, in actuality, I'm I, uh, I'm more inclined to listen more if I hear all those things in sync, rather than someone or or a group veering towards one side more than only than making money. Yeah. yeah, only making. We want to make a ton of money, but only making money or only going the opposite, right? I I think. When I, when through my activity, those organizations that are successful, whether for-profit or not, they are intertwined and understand the symbiotic relationship that goes on and happens. So. 
This has been an awesome interview. I mean, <laughs> I don't think in, you know, when we were planning this and stuff, there was so many different avenues you could approach this, but I think you guys both perfectly just told the story of like the important mission, you know, the transition from corporate to craft, uh, the importance of community. I think it's been a, you know, from top to bottom, I give it an A plus. I give it an A plus unbiased. <laughs> oh, thank you. It's been, thank a, you so it's been an incredible conversation and uh, we're really thankful to have both of you on the show. Um, yeah. To close out, you know, what is one piece of advice? And I'd love to hear from both of you. One piece of advice that you have heard in the past that helped you to get you where you are today or one piece of advice you would want to give to somebody um, that needs to make that next leap of faith or is entering into a risky business or just a general entrepreneur advice? You know, what is something that you could offer to the people listening? Yeah, well, you know, I I do a lot of, of mentoring in the entrepreneurial space. And I asked one of the mentors that I have a lot of respect for what his number one piece of advice was to startups. And and it's always stuck with me. And he said, coachability. He said, when you find a founder who is coachable, they will be successful. And that is the number one quality that they look for uh, in, in who they're going to give money to. On is, it, is that founder coachable or not? And so as I approached starting my own startup, um, I had a lot of doubts. I had a lot of things I didn't know. And so what did I do? I sought coaching and I went to other breweries here in town who are amazing and they all gave us advice. And I went to other experts and they gave us coaching. And so for me, that's always just been the, the, the nugget that has always stuck with me is, is when I look at entrepreneurs and are they going to make it or not, how coachable are they? And it works with employees too. Like my staff, I look at them and I say, well, you know, how coachable are they? And, uh, and that to me has been the greatest piece of advice that, I, that I was given. <laughs> yes, I go to you for coaching. <laughs> Even the investors are coachable. I love it. Yeah, actually, we, the... we have a very good back and forth coaching relationship, actually. And we're, and we're both open to that type of feedback. And that, that to me was the, I, I stuck with it and now I try to practice it. So yeah. Ivan, is that from the investment per lens, the same, uh, you know, is that the same important factor for you in this scenario? Well, I, I'm glad you brought that up because that probably was not on the top of my mind when, when you guys just asked that question, but it's totally true. That coachability, seeking out the coach, coach, because let's be honest, mentorship is important. The mentorship isn't necessarily the same as coaching. And, you know, when you have a coach, you're, you're vested and you're, you're accountable to that. You're accountable. Mm -hmm. And some people can be lucky enough to have some phenomenal mentors around them that they don't, that they can afford not to engage coaches. Right. So, but usually if you're just a guy with three kids, uh, two cars, Two car garage, you know, uh, if you probably don't think that far ahead, right? And I know I've I've been asked that question many times, and usually I remember my dad who always told me just do the best you can at the moment. And so that's the advice I usually share with people because as long as you know that you did the best that you can at the moment, usually you're going to learn, 
And even if you don't succeed, you can take what you learn to the next opportunity and continue to grow. And when you reflect, you won't have regrets. Uh, but I will say, in addition to that, and the coaching and the mentorship, uh, when it comes to entrepreneurship, what I've seen is whatever, whatever you think you need, whatever money, resources, <laughs> multiply that by like five or ten. <laughs> right like even even if you've got it down to the penny at the very least uh we were talking earlier uh you know when you go when you go to mba school and you do all these things textbook they say you become a real company in five years we shared that already but they don't tell you that the money that you just saved and you borrowed and people that's probably going to run out in two years <laughs> Yeah. And the third year, you're going to spend more than you did the first two years. And then you're going to, if you make it to the third year, then you're really going to pick up. So you're going to spend more in year four and year five than you ever did leading up to in the first three years combined. Right. So, uh, yeah, as an entrepreneur, save your money, uh, get investors, but whatever money you think you need, get more and don't turn away. If you're an entrepreneur, you'll, you'll figure it out. Right. So don't close the door to more investment for sure. Nice. That's, those are words of wisdom, honestly. Words um, of wisdom. And I think uh, yeah, when you get older, they're words of wisdom, right? Yeah. I know. I was going to say when we make our way over to Cincinnati, I think we're going to have to have another podcast because uh, there's so many different things that we can talk about. Um, and we'll definitely need to make the time for that. But Ivan and Christine, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. We truly appreciate it. Where can our listeners, you know, find your information on social media? Where can they follow along Deadlow Brewing Company? And uh, any last minute uh, promotions or plugs, the floor is yours. Absolutely. Uh, you can find us on all of the social medias at, at Deadlow Brewing. Uh, and then our website is deadlow.com. And guys, thank you for uh, having us on. It's been a pleasure. Looking forward to it. And also, the last thing I'll say, going back to the uh, beer at Ford, if there's anything that you can say, remind your listeners, uh, even, if, even if it's for a friend or a neighbor, we're happy to beer at Ford. And uh, Deadlow really values those that really take care of the community. So. Yes, and to, add, and to add on that, we would love to send a couple beers over so, for some uh, veterans and uh, frontline Let's workers. Do it. So yeah, we'll oh, get the information at the end, and uh, we love to help. And uh, these we really do support that message. So thank you. Great, thank you very much. Yeah, guys, thanks for coming on our show. We we appreciate you. Um, go go Bengals! Yeah, you know, we're we're waiting <laughs> for the day that we will. Uh, you know, I, I sadly don't think we can get there uh, tomorrow, but. <laughs> <laughs> but but there will be Saturday. Saturday's out. fine. Saturday's enough. <laughs> Man, we went to rent a car. Yeah. That. Um, guys, thanks so Can't much. This has been this has been great. It's great to get a glimpse inside what Deadlow's building uh, and to hear your stories. All the best to you. We'll see you soon. Thank you. Have a great 2022. You as well. Very very interested. Well, we would love to have you. I I, I volunteer for the um, the Brewing Heritage. 
a tours organization that, um, that that is doing all the historic preservation of all of those beer caves downtown and so forth. And they do these amazing tours. So if you make it here, we'll hook up with them and an interview with them would be amazing. They, they are so full of uh, information. This is where I bore you guys. We, can talk we wanted, all day long. We wanted, be, we wanted <laughs> to be exciting. We didn't want to bore people. But hey, uh, Cincinnati used to be the wealthiest city on the planet. Really? Uh, yeah. Uh, years ago, before industrialization, uh, the river brought a lot of commerce down Ohio, uh, the Ohio River, with uh, Samuel Clemens and uh, Mark Twain. You, you'll it, it'll start making sense but uh there's um there's a lot of rich history and networking of wealth throughout the country and and uh the world that starts from cincinnati so Bizarre. look through that um cincinnati uh cincinnati foundation is a nonprofit that is one of the largest nonprofits in the country and world as well. That is more regionally known than uh, nationally known. And literally when you come here, not if, when you come here and take one of these beer tours and you're literally underneath the city, looking at all these big, huge caves that were designed for wagons and beer distribution in uh, the early 1900s, you're going to, all you're going to want to do is drink more beer. It's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. You sold we us. Beer town. You sold us. And we're definitely, you know, after this call, we're going to start planning, you know, our next couple weeks and months just with like podcasting and stuff. Come but... to Bachfest. You should come oh. to Bachfest. When's that? Oh my gosh. I'm, I'm drinking a double buck. Oh no, no. <laughs> I was drinking a double buck. Bachfest in March is a huge, it's the outside of Munich. It is the largest Bachfest on the globe. Um, and it's a good old time. So I, I totally forgot about it. So yeah. Bachfest and do you know that, March. uh, do you know the, the largest Oktoberfest oh, yeah, the, we have the outside, largest chicken of, dance. outside of Germany is in Cincinnati? Cincinnati. Really? Cincinnati. Let me also share one last, one last bit of, uh, <laughs> beer trivia yeah. information. So what's the name of the uh, founder of Samuel Adams? Uh, our, uh, what's the founder of Samuel Adams' name again? Oh, John Adams. Samuel is Adams. It, is it John Adams or is it Sam? It's, it it's not John Adams. Even. So anyway, we'll figure it out. I can see his face. Uh, so, Jim, uh, it's, I just Googled it. It's Jim. Uh, Jim Koch. Yeah, yes. oh, yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Born and raised around the corner, Indian Hills. Really? Yep. We yeah. know the Boston Beer Company, wow. Cincinnati is their second largest manufacturing area for the, for the Boston Beer Company. Yeah. So you guys probably drink Sam Adams and the spirit. They made it here. The in spirit and the, and the idea came here. from right here where we're sitting. I mean, you're... You guys are the storytellers for Cincinnati. You're the biggest advocate, and we are we are 100. You know what? We we need you we here. We need you here to remind everybody in Cincinnati that yeah. we are the storytellers. Yeah. No, but yeah. I mean, we're definitely going to look into Bachfest for March because that's right around the corner. And uh, you know, I think if uh, we can make that work, we'd love to set something up. 
Yeah, and I could set you up with some really cool interviews too. Like we have a huge entrepreneurial community here in town. Um, and they do all kinds of, you know, startups, Cincy, Centrifuge. There's just a bunch of amazing organizations that uh, like we're always in the news of like, we're the um, the California of the West, of the, of the whatever, everyone's leaving California. They're not um, going to Texas. You just, remind, you just remind me. So guys, like I said, when we started, thank you. For, we like our town. Thank you for, for your um, politeness and uh, rules of engagement and like asking to focus on me. As you could tell, this was the real deal right here, right? So you both, you both, I mean, you both were, you both brought so and, much uh, to the table. Yeah. Well, you know what, when it, when it comes to recruiting, I would say, Hey, ask her whatever you want to ask, but focus on me. But this was, <laughs> she's, she's the brains behind the success here. Right. And uh, uh, I wanted to say one more thing. What were you? Oh, so I was going to say this. I, I didn't feel like I needed to joke too much, but um you know what they say about Cincinnati? Uh, tell tell me when the end of the world is coming, and I will go to Cincinnati because everything happens in Cincinnati two years behind everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> Except for beer. Except for beer. <laughs> Except for beer. Tell tell me what's going on in the brewing industry and with beer, and Cincinnati is two years ahead of everybody hmm. else. True spot. story. Oh, cool. There's a um, the farmhouse. These guys. Oh, we have a great farmhouse sale. These guys oh, went to do a farmhouse and literally stumbled upon local hops that were just sitting on the ground, and they friggin' picked them with their friggin' hands. Oh, collected them and made a friggin' <laughs> delicious farm. I mean. You see these guys. I mean, they look like they've got families and have good jobs and stuff. I don't know when they became hop farmers. <laughs> and they literally went to local farm. Well, the, we went to collect our, we, we have a giant bar with barnwood cladding the bar, the bar. We went to go collect the, this barnwood on our friend's farm. And it was coated in wild hops. Growing wild, 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 and so we're hopefully going to have a strain. The Ohio Hops Brewing Association is going to name it the Deadlow Hops. Nice! Um, I didn't even know that. Yeah. <laughs> well, hopefully, maybe. So, we're so, imagine, so imagine that you've got a PR <laughs> marketing person, you've got um, a compliance, uh, it like uh, financial it, invest, not investor, but advice it advisor, uh, uh, accountant, CPA, just to name a few other entrepreneurs, uh, an MD, actually a few MDs. And if you can imagine that story that she just said, and they went to this farm and started picking hops for a beer. <laughs> if, you, and you asked me why I wanted to be part of this. And you're Absolutely. like, that doesn't that doesn't like create excitement for you. I don't know. Like, yeah, it was I'm sure. the beer gods blessing us. We beer were blessed gods. by the beer gods. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, again, we're gonna have to get all these stories for the next round. Um, yeah. So yes, I will. Oh, grab that's just the tip of the iceberg. Those, back, those exactly. aren't even the good ones. This is why we went to the brewery because yeah. we all wanted to hang around and talk about things. There 
And that was just Ivan and Christine from Deadlow Brewing over in Cincinnati, Ohio. Uh, we said it in the beginning. I hope you got that message in the middle of the interview. Um, incredible stuff. I mean, the story, the passion, the family aspect. Uh, we can't wait to head over there. We're happy to have them on the podcast, and uh, we're looking forward to uh, you know passing along and beer it forward as well. But great stuff all around. Yeah, I hope we can get out to Cincinnati for Podfest again. That's assuming it happens. It went fully virtual last year, so we'll we'll figure that out. And if not, we'll be in Cincinnati at some point soon. Um, who would have thought? I like I had no desire to go to Cincinnati until that. No, um, not at all. I want Joe Burrow with a ring on his finger after that interview. <laughs> that might be the spark. It might be. Um, so with that, let's talk about balls of course um our ball segment brought to you by manscaped again as we mentioned at the beginning of the show you can go to manscaped.com house or use the promo code house at checkout for 20 percent off your order and free shipping i don't think there's any more christmas deals but that's it that's you know manscaped speaks for itself we've said it man baby child everybody needs manscaped so you know the drill go ahead to manscaped.com all right football it's the end of the season. It's the beginning of the playoffs. And I don't know. I said this at the top of the show. I like Super Wild Card Weekend. The games were just so bad. I like the Raiders game was great. The Cowboys game was fine too. But it was even still. You're a Giants fan. You can appreciate this. It was the fucking Cowboys. (laughs) Like, I don't know. Everything else sucked. I hated watching the Patriots get pounced, although Josh Allen had probably one of the best quarterback performances in recent playoff history. Um, The Steelers-Chiefs game was boring as shit. Until maybe the end when they just started emptying the playbook, the Chiefs. I don't know. I had higher hopes and maybe it was because of these like bottom of the barrel teams, like, like the fucking, like the Steelers getting into the playoffs. I I'm just like, so I haven't made a, a judgment of what I think about this weekend yet. I mean, it kind of goes to show that the talent gap in the NFL is so wide, you know, Mm. it's like, You're looking at, and we've talked about this on the show, and you know, you've seen it online all year long. It's like, okay, who are your who are your favorites right now? Your Rams, your Packers, your Chiefs, your Bills, your Bucks, um, and I guess the Titans, right? I mean, they they are the one seed, so you have to give it to them. But it's like you knew the talent was the gap was wide. And even a game like this right now, you know, we're recording just about to start the fourth quarter for the Rams, Cardinals. Rams are winning by 20 right now, and the Cardinals fell from, you know, fell from the sky. They were one of the hottest teams to one of the worst teams in the NFL. It's like they lost five of their last six or something like that, and now they're stumbling in the playoffs. Um, The talent gap is just so wide where it's like, how can this be more competitive and fun? We'll have to see next week. We'll have to see what next week when, you, you, you know, these big teams are battling it out against each other. But, you know, I had higher hopes for stuff, but we still get another week of football, more football. Um, you know, bets were flowing. I guess that's what we, all re- what we can really only ask for. 
Yeah, I will say, we were talking about this before. On the come up, FanDuel. FanDuel's great, I think, and no free ads, so I'm not going to no elaborate on that. But they did, they're better in the Rhode Island Sportsbook. I'm going to say it. Mm-hmm. Um, we got to be careful. In different ways. In different ways. We just got to be careful. We'll hold up on it. Okay. Maybe I recant. Maybe I'll go off record, but there's, there's stink. And it's the lust of like the, oh shit, this is new. It's shiny. I can bet in Connecticut. Like, I think there's still a bit of that, but it's really good. I mean, you can do same game parlays. That's sick. It's just but, nice that the rest of the country, the rest of the country is starting to get up to speed with Rhode Island and legalized sports gambling. Connecticut, New York, Florida is going to put it on the ballot. Um, hey, Jersey's been great too. Jersey. Jersey's like, Let, let's do this. Yeah. Massachusetts uh, needs to get their ass in Massachusetts is so like, it's just. You can walk into a store and buy weed in Massachusetts and you can't place a bet on the Pats to win. That's fucked up. Like, how do they go so fast with like legalizing marijuana and not sports gambling? That's just. I don't absurd. get it. That's absurd. Maybe with Charlie Baker, he's uh, this could go one of two ways when the governor leaves. It's hey, screw it, let's empty out all this stuff, let's legalize sports betting, or like, hey, I'm not touching this until the new governor is elected. And then we got to wait another probably year, year yeah. <sighs> but we've got the Rhode Island sports book for now, and that'll have to do. It's just so. insane though with Massachusetts, it's like MGM's one of their biggest casinos, and I'm pretty sure MGM has a sports book. I and that, but what's some most kind of baffling to me is that DraftKings is headquartered in, in Massachusetts. Yeah, I mean that's also that's also true. That's also true. Vandal might be no, they're in New York, but yeah. But Draft then Kings again, though, really. then again, though, it's like Barstool Sports is headquartered in New York, and yeah, they didn't no, get I, I understand that. that. But that's, you know, they don't necessarily have to live and die by gambling. Like DraftKings literally is gambling. Yeah. Oh, no. If they don't have that, like, how are they making money? I don't know. Um, Yeah. Like Barstool, you know, they've got presence in, in, you know, technically Penn National Gaming's in Pennsylvania. Right. So it's like, I understand that. But you would have thought DraftKings like lobbied a little bit harder. That's just what I'm seeing from afar. I'm sure it took years of trying to get to this point, but, but alas, um, all right. Divisional round playoffs. I don't know the the bills chief sticks out for me and you've got some interesting pairings right now. Bengals are going to play the Titans. The Niners are going to play the Packers. We don't yet know who's going to play the bucks. Um, this is going to be some uh, – these are going to be the good games. Like, for me, game of the week right now, Bengals-Titans. Let's see what they do, right? You put two very good teams against each other that, you know, they like to pass. They like to – obviously, you know, the Titans do what they do with Derrick Henry. It's a very offensive-oriented, you know, team on both sides of that ball. So, I'm looking at that one and saying, you know, I think that could be – that has some potential to be the game of the week. Yeah, I mean, I think if anything, that could be the upset of the week as well with the Bengals. Yeah, I, I um, think so. Just because the Titans, you know, they're a good team, but they, you know, they're getting some pieces back with Derrick Henry. The week off could be something that throws them off. I don't know. Um, the Bengals are just full steam ahead. I guess, like, I mean, right now, if we're talking just like purely entertainment wise, Chiefs Bills, because I feel like they've oh, yeah. matched, they've matched up with each other 
it seems like the past couple of years, but it might've only just been, you know, last year. I think or it's only been one. It just seems like they're like always the teams that have like the, I know. the, the course ahead, but that, I think that'll be good. Uh, I hate oh, to I'm say it. The, games. the bills are going to win that game. I hope so. I, I, I would so. just, you know, as somebody, and I can't really root for the bills, but like, you just have to hope since like everyone's counting out the Patriots right now. I think that gives the Pats a little credibility back. It's like, all right, the Pats lost, but it's the fucking Bills. Like, they're good. They they are – this probably is – I don't know, man. This is one of the best teams they've ever had. Mm-hmm. And I hope just for uh, Handled's sake, give my friends some ha- – give our friends some happiness, you know? Oh, because then he's just going to text me and be like, what's up, dude? Like, fuck you. It's better than him talking Rangers right now, so. Uh, all right, I'll, I'll meet you there. But, I mean, either way, next weekend will definitely be the power weekend for some good football um, you know, Bucks, Packers, Rams, all powerhouse teams. Like whoever comes, I th- and you know my hot take right now is whoever comes out of the NFC is going to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, uh, I just think that if Tom Brady's in the Super Bowl, um, I mean it's happened before that he's lost, but this team is 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 pretty hot. I think the Rams are the biggest win now one with. You know, Von Miller and Odell Beckham Jr. on that roster. McVay needs to get over that hump. Um, and then, of course, Aaron Rodgers is chasing his number two. So, I, yeah, man, if you're right now, the, like, I don't want to give a prediction on who's going to win the Super Bowl, but I want to see the Packers next week. Like, yeah. I just want to, I think they're going to, I think they should manhandle the 49ers, but I think if they, get in the right direction. They're going to win the Super Bowl. Yeah. You know, and I, I and again, blocks. and I, I do feel bad not counting out, not counting the 49ers. Um, you know, no discredit to them. They actually, I don't feel bad. you know, they, they surprised everyone and upset the Cowboys and stuff. They could be a sneaky pick. I mean, Hey, two years ago, they were in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I can't. I, I just, that's another one. I can't root. I physically just can't root for Jimmy G. You know, <laughs> Because that supports the narrative that Belichick fucked up. He's such a bad guy for doing that. I don't know. I just can't do that. So go Aaron Rodgers. Um, I hope he's still immunized. That's all. <laughs> but I don't know. What's your take? Jail or prison for Aaron Rodgers? No. <laughs> just jail or prison. <laughs> Community service. <laughs> Parole. All right. I'll meet you there. Perfect. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what to expect. I think I, I, I would like the Packers to, to win the Super Bowl. I'm just going to float it out there. I don't know if it'll happen. I'm going to make that judgment next week though. That's mm. what I want to do. Um, speaking of football, Georgia and Alabama, a couple, actually that was last week. feels like three weeks ago at this point. Um, Georgia, how about the freaking dogs? They come back after getting beat up on by the Crimson Tide a couple weeks before that in the SEC championship, and then they basically return the favor to Alabama. Um, I don't really say this a ton about college football. I think the better team won. I think Georgia was a better team than Alabama this year, and I think it showed. Their defense showed up. They made all the right stops. Stetson Bennett. I mean, my God, he had a brutal turnover in the second half and said, screw it, I'm going to put the team on my back right now, and then went off. So 
good for Georgia. Better team won, oddly enough. Yeah, and I and I I'm kicking myself for uh, betting Alabama. I mean, I grew up watching Georgia football just because of family ties in Georgia. You know, my uncles went there and everything, and you know they always produce NFL talent. Um, I hand up had the recency bias with the SEC, SEC championship where Alabama won by 20. And I was like, there's no way Nick Saban loses a championship game. Um, because I did not see Georgia, especially with, um, you know, Sensen Bennett as a Trevor Lawrence, Joe Burrow S quarterback, you know, no. but the kid worked hard and, uh, yeah. The only, my only, my only, my only gripe with college football is like, it's just not big enough for playoffs. I know. I think there should be eight teams in the playoffs. Yeah. We'll save that for next season. I think the rational person, like the rational fan of the game thinks that way too, though. You know, it's like, I don't really know. Um, but yeah, maybe that's for, maybe that's a debate for next season. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, Georgia was – and it sucks when you're Bama, you lose that game with your best wide receiver out. It stinks a little bit. Yeah. But let's go to baseball real quick. Um, <laughs> if you haven't been keeping up with baseball, it's because there's been nothing to keep up with. And, they, that's, our, and that's our baseball segment. And that's <laughs> No, it, it's just so – it pisses me off because they're just – it's not even close. And you have these reporters um, – for those that don't know and don't care or follow about baseball, the – the players union and the league is in a war right now. Basically they're in a lockout, no baseball activities whatsoever. Um, and they need to negotiate a new collective bargaining agreement, but there is nothing happening. There are two sides that are too far apart in this scenario. So I'm not hitting the panic button. I will hit it on February 1st. If we haven't hit anything. Well, my issue is right now it's like, if things don't get moving anytime soon, I mean, pitchers and catchers is going to get pushed. Yeah. And that is when the dominoes fall, unfortunately. I mean, you need the pitchers to – pitchers are a, a, a creature of habit, right? It's like they need to get into, you know, not midseason form, but they need to start warming up, warming their arms up again, getting into the motions, pitching on a heavy cycle or injuries are going to derail themselves. I mean, we saw with the whole COVID lockout and everything, it's like there were a ton of injuries because of that. It's like people were rushed to get ready and the season was on the line and all this stuff. But I mean, the fact that they did not have, you know, they closed out the lot. They started the lockout. What was that? December 1st holidays, yeah. whatever, no. you know, nothing happened the rest of the month. And then they took their sweet ass time in January all to have a meeting and then walk out and do nothing like pick meet in the middle, meet in the freaking middle. We're not going to have baseball and watching, you know, all of the end of the year television reports and stuff. And everyone's talking about a compliment accolades and stuff. The NFL had, I think it was out of a hundred broadcasts and this could be, you know, anything, political debates, news stories, anything. The NFL held 95 out of the 100 spots of most watched televised programs. Yeah. When you look at video games, not your top pick isn't MLB The Show. No, it's Madden or 2K. You know, it's like the MLB is losing that lust of America. Oh, Matt Prater just ripped a smelling salt before taking this kick. Love that. Oh. I think I might be that. on a delay. Let me 
Love that. But anyway, as okay, we're talking about baseball, and I'm more worried about football. That just that shows. literally, that's <laughs> really just shows. like oh it shit, really just shows. But you know, uh, it's just it's just it's sickening. Yeah, it's pretty frustrating. I don't know. I again, I will reiterate, I'm not hitting the panic button until February first. I, I I think that's better for everybody. Wow! Holy shit! He did rip the. Wow! It was on the field. I thought you meant like it was on a sideline. He took it out with him. That's fucking insane. Did he make the field goal? I don't know why they're kicking field goals when they're down twenty. They're down twenty. I don't know, man. Um, yeah, it's baseball. Super frustrating, though. Uh, let's talk about college hoops, and then let's wrap up here. Uh, listen, the season's been pretty cool. I, there's been a lot of uh, there's been a lot of teams beating each other. Like, there's been a lot of upsets. I guess is my point. Um, and right now, you know, it went from oh Gonzaga's Gonzaga versus everybody to all right. You know, they had a couple of stumbles early in the year. Um, and now we're at a point where this is truly, you know, there's not like a one individual team that's standing out, right? There's a lot of teams that you could think will win the national championship. I think right now it's between Auburn and Gonzaga that are the number one team. You were very bullish on Auburn. I am. Well, I mean, they're good. I know they're, they're good. good. Teams, uh, they're fucking nuts, but I think they're the best team in the nation right now. Um, subject to change. I mean, I think, I think it's Baylor and Gonzaga again, you know, is the best two, but Auburn looks real great right now. I, I put them as a one seed. Um, and that's, that's a T on Auburn. So I think they're the best team in college basketball at this point. Yeah. I mean, I think you got to just respect Auburn more than Gonzaga because no one expected Auburn to be, you know, this, this amazing. Right. Um, but just looking at the top 25 Loyola, just snuck in big for the uh, they're obviously not one of the top teams, but they they're listed at 22 real big for Basil in the eight ten, having a team like that <laughs> uh, come back in. But uh, Arizona, Purdue and Baylor round out the top five Duke sneaking in. Uh, big East is still very, you know, very prominent. We have Nova Providence, Yukon, Xavier. I think um, the top four in that league or top three Providence Xavier Nova and then a little bit of shit and then Creighton and Marquette and maybe Seton Hall but everybody else I'm worried about like there UConn doesn't look good right now to me no but I mean I still think that the Big East could be a, a five bid team oh it could there's five there's time league. there could even be six yeah, I think we could if if it were firing on all cylinders, we could be even. I think the ceiling seven on the Big East this year. Wow, what with Marquette sneaking in or Seton Hall? Well, you said Villanova, Xavier, Providence, UConn, Creighton, and I'd say Seton Hall. Um, I don't know. I think that's Saint yeah. John. Saint no. John, no, no. no. <laughs> that, I mean, I would say Marquette, then Marquette over St. John's. Easily, yeah. Did I not say Marquette? No, you you just stopped at six. Oh well, yeah. Marquette's good. I I think Marquette has has it in them. So I don't know. Um, 
I think we're in for a wild ride. I think the Big Ten's probably the only conference that would rival it. Um, Michigan, I said this on our Twitter spaces, hot seat for me. I think they suck. I don't think they're not good. I just think they suck. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think it's that simple. I think they're way overrated. Um, Hunter Dickinson is great, and then everyone else blows. That's just that's what I think of Michigan at this point. So, I don't know. Big Ten's good, though. Illinois, I think Rutgers can make a start to turn it around. Um, Northwestern is a pretty good group. You know, Michigan State, I think that's a, I think that's a good group. So, mm-hmm. yeah, the I mean, Big 12. A lot of college basketball still to play. Um, I mean, by my time frame, what are we, eight weeks until Selection Sunday, seven weeks? Uh, it's March the 12th? No, March 13th is Selection Sunday. How many days till March 13th? 55 days. Okay. That's how many weeks? That's eight weeks? Eight weeks, yeah. I was on the nose. Sounds about right. On the nose. Eight so. weeks on the nose. There's time. There's a lot of basketball to be had. That's at least you got to figure 15, 16 games apiece for, for every team. But, Hopefully. <laughs> uh, yeah, with that's COVID aside. So that's college hoops. Catch up with us on Twitter, NCAA Hoops Digest. Uh, we will be doing a lot of gambling stuff. Um, you listed me at five and one. I cannot take that credit. I'm four and two, uh, tied for the lead. Uh, I wish Clemson had beat Xavier, but they did not. Uh, or uh, Clemson beat Notre Dame, I should say, but they did not. Uh, they got their ass kicked, and I, that was a pick. That was the pick that I was most confident in. Is that yeah. fucked up? Yeah. I mean, I hate to boast, but I'm <laughs> I'm, fi- I'm 52, 15 and one for the month of January. Congrats, man. 52, 15, and one plus like 30 something units with a whole record of 134, 67, and two. College basketball, I have found my sweet spot. Sick. I have found my sweet spot. Damn it. I need to, yeah, conflict of interest for me, but, you know, I. I need to figure it out. I need to put my, I need to figure it out right now. Put on now. the thinking caps. Don't overthink it. I know. I got to stop like saying that BU is this awesome bet too. They're really not. BU is oh. not it. BU the is Patriot not The Patriot League is just so awesome to bet on though. Entertainment purposes only. So awesome. <laughs> um, but that is... That's all we've got. Uh, this game, as we're done recording here, is 31 to 11. I'm going to make a prediction and say the Cardinals score one more, and that's all. I do need the over to hit. Yeah, and I would like – if I have a win margin bet of Rams, uh, all I need to hit is 1 to 13, the Rams win. So touchdown for the Cardinals would get us there. So let's let's just one touchdown for the Cardinals, and I think everyone's good. Uh, everyone's happy. Everyone's right. happy. Let's do it. All right, uh, that's our show. What else? What else we got? Are we good? I think we're good. We're good. Let's send ourselves to episode seventy-four. Thanks for listening. Uh, you guys know where to find us on social media. That's Will and I'm Jake. So long, folks. Take it easy. Mm-hmm.